morning, everyone. Good morning, Shalom to you. It's so good to see so many of you here at this 9.30 a.m. service. And I believe that the Lord has already spoken to us in many ways through the ministry of worship, music, and prayer. And I pray that God will continue to speak to us even as we set aside this time for corporate worship, whether on-site or online. Now, today we begin our sermon series on challenges of work. Pastor Raymond kicked off this sermon series with the purpose of work, and last week, Pastor Yen talked about rest from work. Today, we'll, we'll deal with challenges of work. And if you are new to Wesley or have missed the first two sermons, you can listen to it at our church website on YouTube or at our newly launched Wesley Church app. Now, the Bible has several passages that discuss challenges related to work, labor, and the toy associated with it. And one notable passage is in the book of Genesis, specifically after the fall of humanity. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the consequences of humanity's disobedience and the introduction of difficulties into the realm of work. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, God addresses Adam and Eve regarding the consequences of disobedience. And today we want to reflect upon the challenges of work as outlined in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. We will explore the implications for our daily lives and see how we can navigate the thorny path of labor in a fallen world. Listen as I now read from the New International Version, Genesis chapter 3, beginning from verse 16. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For thus you are, and to dust you will return. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Let's pray. God our Father, we thank you for gathering us as a church family to worship you. Today we recognize that work is a significant part of our existence, a gift from you, that allows us to contribute to our society and fulfill your purpose. Yet we also acknowledge the challenges that accompany our labor, challenges that test our faith, resilience, and perseverance. In the midst of our daily toil, we pray, grant us the wisdom to discern your will and the strength to overcome the obstacles that may hinder our growth. Help us, O oh God, to view our work not merely as a means of livelihood, but as a platform to express your love, grace, and truth to those around us. And now as we look into your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and our minds. Open our hearts of God to receive the insights and the encouragement that you have prepared for us. May your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, guiding us through the complexities of everyday life. 
We want to surrender this sacred time of learning to your glory, trusting God that you will speak to each heart present. Speak, Lord, for we, your people, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, work or occupation is a lot more than what we do from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Occupational therapy defines occupation in a broader sense than just employment. In the context of occupational therapy, the term occupation refers to the everyday activities that people do as individuals, in families, and with communities to occupy time and to bring meaning and purpose to life. Now, these activities can encompass a wide range of tasks, including self-care, productivity, like work, school, or homemaking, and leisure, recreational activities. Now, God created us with the intent that we would be actively involved in caring for and stewarding our world. And yet, Genesis chapter 3 highlights that work is now hard work and impacted by the effects of sin. Now, Timothy Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, talked about our problems with work. And he devoted four chapters dealing with our problems with work. And these are the issues that we wrestle with when work becomes fruitless, when work becomes pointless, when work becomes selfish, and when work reveals our idols. Well, we do not have all the time to talk about all the problems of work, and I encourage you to get this book and read the book for yourself to get a better perspective of work. Now, let me organize my thoughts along these three points. Choices and consequences. Sweat and stresses. Reliance and Redemption. Let's begin with choices and consequences. Listen to this, my friends. To every choice we make, there is a consequence. To every choice we make, there is a consequence. Now here God speaks about hardship and challenges that humanity will face in their work as a result of sin and how they will have to toil and labor for their sustenance. You see, Adam chose to listen to his wife and ate the forbidden fruit. And the Lord, in response to Adam's disobedience, declares, Curse is the ground because of you. Now, this curse signifies the introduction of toil and hardship into the very fabric of work. The once fruitful and abundant ground now yields thorns and thesis, demanding more effort and dedication from those who seek to cultivate it. Now, some people see the curse as the origin of work. Now, it's very important to note that when work became toy, it was not the beginning of work, because Adam and Eve had already worked in the garden. Work is not inherently a curse, but the curse affects the work. In fact, work becomes more important as a result of the fall because more work is now required to yield the necessary results. Now, most of us are familiar with the story of how Adam and Eve were tempted in Genesis chapter 3. 
Now, we are not here today to talk about whose fault it was. Was it the man or the woman or the serpent or all of them? Now, this was how sin entered the world. With the serpent's plan, first Eve, then Adam ate the fruit of the forbidden tree. Adam and Eve broke the limits that God had set for them. Eve's and Adam's decisions to eat the forbidden fruit are choices to favor their own pragmatic, aesthetic, and sensual taste over God's word. And here, good, good in inverted commas, is no longer rooted in what God says enhances life, but in what people think is desirable to elevate life. Friends, by choosing to disobey God, Adam and Eve broke the relationships inherent in their own beings. First, their relationship together, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh as it had previously been, is driven apart as they hide from each other under the cover of fig leaves. And next is their relationship with God. They no longer talk with God in the evening breeze, but hide themselves from his presence. Adam broke, further broke the relationship between himself and Eve by blaming her for his decision to eat the fruit and blaming God at the same time. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Now Eve likewise broke humanity's relationship with the creatures of the earth by blaming the serpent for her own decision. And here's the first discipleship lesson. Friends, we must learn to take responsibility for our action. We must learn to take responsibility for our action. You know, we are all prone to point fingers at others when something goes wrong. Let's take ownership for any project that we are involved Everyone wants to succeed and no one likes to see something fail. And let's ask ourselves, where have I fallen short of? Have I crossed the line? Did I follow the instructions? Now we live in a fallen, broken world and we cannot expect life without toil. We were made for work, but that work was stained by sin and all that was broken that day in the Garden of Eden. And this too is often the result of failing to respect the limits that God sets for our relationships, whether personal, corporate, or social. Friends, respect the limits set in the workplace, and that's the second discipleship lesson. Now, the four created alienation between people and God, among people, between people and the earth that was supposed to support them. Suspicion of one another replaced trust and love in the generations that followed. Alienation nourished jealousy, rage, and even murder. Friends, you can bridge the gap of broken relationships, whether at home, at school, or at work. The workplaces today reflect that alienation between people, to greater or lesser extent, making our work even more toilsome and less productive. And today you can be God's instrument of peace wherever he has placed you.
Now, Adam and Eve's decision that day had disastrous results that stretched all the way to today's workplace. And this leads us to my second point, sweat and stresses. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, God stated that through painful toil, humanity would eat from the ground. Now, the imagery of sweat and labor evokes the physical and mental and emotional strain associated with the work in a fallen world. And God speaks judgment against Adam and Eve, sins, and declares consequences that result in difficult toil. The serpent will have to crawl on his belly all his days. The woman will face painful labor in childbirth and her desire will be for her man. The man will have to toil to make a living from the soil and it will produce thorns and thistles. Now just as Adam faced challenges in his work, we too encounter obstacles and difficulties in our daily labor. And friends, the un predictability of our professional and personal lives mirrors the thorns and thistles of the cursed ground. What challenges are you facing today? And what are you going to do about it? You know, the pursuit of sustenance becomes a demanding task and the sweat on our brows reflects the effort required to provide for ourselves and our families. Now, all in all, human beings will still do the work they were created to do, and God will still provide for their needs. But work will become more difficult, perhaps becoming fruitless and pointless, marked by frustration and a lack of fulfillment with emotional and physical fatigue. Now, in our modern context, the demands of work often lead to stress, burnout, and exhaustion. And this is often due to office politics. Hear this, my friends. We can't run away from politics. We can't run away from politics. Politics is everywhere, even at church. Now, the question is, how do we approach our work in the face of these challenges? Can we find purpose and fulfillment in a, even in the midst of toil? You know, people leave their jobs for various reasons. Some leave for greener pastures, for better pay or better perks. Some leave because they feel unappreciated. They sweat for nothing. Now, some, some find it hard to survive in a toxic environment. They are stumbled by so-called Christians, Christian bosses or colleagues. Some are asked to leave due to failure to meet what is expected of them. They didn't meet the KPIs and targets. There may also be poor performance management or bad financial planning. Now, whatever reasons that people may have for quitting, very often it has to do with interpersonal relationships. And our work can, really, can be really hard there can be stresses due to financial problems, interpersonal conflicts, disagreements over business decisions, and difficult contractual negotiations. Some places that we work in are not positive or happy places. 
In some places, there are toxic bosses and colleagues that we have to deal with. And so getting out of bed and heading to work can be very stressful. Now, which of these environments speak of your work situations? And what can you do to make the workplace a better place to work? And here's some discipleship lessons. As you toy for your daily bread, remember that you are placed there for a season. You are placed there for a season. And therefore, seek God's purpose for you. It could, be the, it could be that God wants to mold your character. It could be for you to mentor someone. Now, let me give you some principles on how to approach our work. You can shape the culture that you are working in. You can promote a positive work culture, build good relationships with colleagues and customers, learn to love with no agenda, and learn to listen to the deep burdens of others. Have a positive attitude towards money, including earning to give rather than to have. Have an attitude of thanks, of gratitude, including gratitude to others, hope and humility. And serve in a spirit of excellence. Do a full day's work and develop your skills. Three months ago, I woke up early one morning, greeted by a big, lively cockroach in the kitchen. And I was very afraid, and I hoped that the cockroach is dead. And yet, I have no courage to kill it. Now, at that time, my helper was staying overnight, attending to my mom in hospital, and so I couldn't count on her to help me. Now, what did I do? I tried to kill it at a distance by spraying insecticide on it. No, at least it would be half dead and my helper could help me to clear the corpse when, he, when she returned in the evening. Now, that affected my work at home and in the office. The question at the, at the back of my mind was, would the cockroach resurrect and go to other areas in the house? Why are there so many cockroaches in the kitchen? Are there hidden ones that I'm not aware of? You see, I wasn't aware that my rubbish tube was faulty. It couldn't close properly and there, had, there is a gap of about two inches. And that explains the constant gas appearance of cockroaches early in the morning. Now what did I do? I put a can of insecticide at the entry to the kitchen, always ready to spray on one should one appear. I put on slippers whenever I walk in the kitchen so that I won't step on one cockroach. I switch on the lights so that I could see clearly if there is a cockroach. Now these are temporary measures that I took and had to live in fear every day for about two weeks. You know, the day after my mom's discharge, I immediately arranged for my rubbish chute to be replaced. Do I still see cockroaches early in the morning? Yeah, you've got experience there. <laughs> well, little cockroaches appear once in a while, especially when it's raining, and perhaps there is a nest of cockroaches or eggs somewhere that I do not know of. Now, what's the solution for me? Any idea? 
clean up the whole house once and for all. Now, what would you do with the big cockroaches in your life? Run away, keep your distance, or find ways to overcome it? How do you handle your challenges at work? Now, let's move on to my final point. Reliance and redemption. Now, God concluded by reminding Adam that ultimately he will return to the dust from which he was formed. And this serves as a sobering reminder of the temporary nature of our labor in this fallen world. Now, work is a significant part of our lives, but friends, work is not the ultimate source of our identity or purpose. And here's the discipleship lesson. Understanding the temporary nature of our work should lead us to commit to a deeper reliance on God. As we navigate the challenges of our vocations, let's not lose sight of our eternal calling and the significance of our relationship with our Creator. Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 to 19 provides insight into the challenges we face in our work due to the fallen nature of our work. However, it also points us towards a hope beyond the thorns and the thistles. Friends, through deeper reliance on God, we can find purpose, resilience, and fulfillment in our labor, even as we navigate the challenges navigate the difficulties of a world marked by sin. Now, besides reliance on God, there is also the very important area of redeeming work. Church, consider your work as part of the redeeming work of Jesus. Today, how does your work form part of redemption? Now, redemption means that we are rescued. We are rescued from slavery to freedom. And so our attitudes, our behavior, and our values at work are also redeemed from something to something else. Now, how can we live out our faith at work? Here are some ways in which we might experience something of this in our work. From pointlessness to purpose. From dissatisfaction to fulfillment. From slavery to freedom from alienation to connection, from isolation to relationship, from pleasing myself to honoring God, and from barrenness to fruitfulness. The list goes on, and we can think of many other ways of redeeming work. The Word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Church, the brokenness of sin will not stop God from working through us to redeem His work. Today, what how can you do a little bit more in your workplace or through your work? I invite you to center your work on God. Go to work with God. 
and join him in his redeeming work in this world. Now let me close with my journey in the marketplace. In my 10 years working as an accountant, I happily kept timesheets and charging time costs to clients. You know, every time I achieve a recovery rate that is more than 100%, it gave me a great sense of fulfillment. But when I took more time to complete an audit and blew the budget, it brought me much frustration. And as I have to work on multiple audits at the same time, meeting deadlines was quite a challenge for me. Now, five years into my career, while I was still enjoying my work, work has started to become meaningless for me. It came to a point that I began to question myself, why am I working so hard for? What am I working so hard for? You know, when I left my profession in 1990, I had accumulated over 500 hours of overtime and more than 100 days of annual leave. I don't know why during time we could accrue our annual leave. You know, these were accumulated in my earlier years of working before I reached management level. And with never-ending deadlines and more responsibilities as I climbed up the corporate ladder, there was no way for me to clear my leave. Well, I thank God that even though I had to work long hours almost every day, I was able to find some rest from work every Sunday without fail for 10 years. The turning point for me was when the stock market clashed in October 1987. Many of my clients went into receivership and that woke me up. It suddenly dawned upon me that life can be so transient. Companies who were doing well suddenly went bust. Many of my clients were affected, badly affected by the global financial crisis. Well, my career wasn't affected, wasn't really affected because my services cover from cradle to grave. From setting up new companies to winding down defunct companies. By God's grace, when I went for my first missions trip in December 1987, I found my purpose at work. God opened my eyes to the plentiful harvest and I hear his invitation to me to co-labor with him at work wherever he has placed me. And today I know for sure why I'm working so hard and what I'm working so hard for. Well, I've since left the corporate world for more than 30 years now. I still work long hours and there are still deadlines to keep. My challenges at work remain. The stress did not go just because I'm serving God full time. The difference for me was that, is that I can go to work with God every day. I can go to work with God every day and I can join Him in His redeeming work. Friends, what is one way you can bring God into your workplace with you this week? Is there one person, one issue, one project at your workplace that God has placed in your heart to pray over? How can you invite God into your daily work routine, whether you're working from home or in the office? 
I invite you to join me and let God work through you wherever He has placed you. Church, our Christian vocations are how Christ has called us to spend our lives in His service, and that should cover every sphere of life. Let's close by praying this prayer for vocations together. This is crafted by Prof. Stephen Garber from his book, Visions of Vocation. Together, God of heaven and earth, we pray for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Teach us to see our vocations and occupations as woven into your work in the world this week. For mothers at home who care for children, for those whose labor forms our common life in this city, the nation and the world, for those who serve the marketplace of ideas and commerce, for those whose creative gifts nourish us all, for those whose callings take them into the academy, for those who long for employment that satisfies their souls and serves you, for each one we pray, asking for your great mercy. Give us eyes to see that our work is holy to you, O Lord, even as our worship this day is holy to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God our Father, we thank you for speaking to us in different ways regarding our challenges, our challenges of work, whether at home, in church, or in the marketplace. Today, we lift up those who are facing overwhelming challenges in their workplace. May you, O oh God, be their refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Provide them, O oh God, with the courage to confront difficulties. Give them the endurance to press on with hope. And may your presence illuminate their paths and grant them peace in the midst of chaos. Today, we acknowledge that the challenges we face at work are opportunities for growth, for faith building, and testimonies of your grace. May your spirit continue to remind us that in every, every challenge, you are present, offering strength, wisdom, and a way forward. We pray, O oh God, that you, you will ignite a passion within us to approach our work with a renewed perspective, a, a perspective that sees our work as platforms for glorifying you. May we be agents of change, infusing our workplace with love, integrity, and compassion. Empower us, O oh God, to be a source of encouragement for those around us who may be struggling with the challenges of work. May our actions and words inspire hope, resilience, and a sense of purpose in their lives. Help us, O oh God, to take practical steps to apply the principles that we have learned today. Grant us, O oh God, the courage to face challenges head-on, the humility to seek help when needed, and the discernment to nav navigate our professional paths with integrity and grace. Empower us, O oh God, to be the salt and light in our workplace, demonstrating your love through our actions and interactions. May our witness inspire others to seek you and find purpose beyond the challenges of work. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.